Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. People will be too strategic about authenticity, like the idea that once you can fake authenticity, then then you got them for anything. The, <laughs> the point is not to act like you're authentic. The point is to actually be authentic. And it's like somebody knocks at your front door and first thing they say is, can I come in the house? And you go, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and why? Well, I don't trust it. I don't know what you want. If there is something that you know that they're not going to like, that potentially means that you won't win the sale, don't hide it, because there will be an argument about it. Don't forget to download the one-page podcast summary, which highlights the key takeaways and the recommended actions. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary that's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary we hope it's of use so ryan i've got a friend of mine called peter okay and peter's a great guy to be with right he's the life and soul of the party but you can't trust the word he tells you (laughs) (laughs) i like peter already (laughs) yeah so as i say to people if you want fun Go down the bar with Peter. He's a great guy. Just don't believe a word he tells you. (laughs) And I guess, therefore, what we're going to talk a bit today about is the five rules for building trust with your customers. So five rules for building trust with your customers. And, And let's go straight into this and go straight onto the first one. And this, this actually was said to me by a guy called Chris Daffy, who's a great guy, expert in customer service, and uh, I've known Chris for a number of years. And one of the things that Chris said to me was, trust is earned. Yeah. And I thought, I'd never really thought about it like that before. And he said, we actually start off by not trusting people mm-hmm. in general. Especially businesses. Yeah, because you you know that they're trying to get something out of you. And so people have their defenses up. Yeah. And it's like somebody knocks at your front door and first thing they say is, can I come in the house? And you go, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I don't trust it. I don't know what you want. So he said, trust is earned. And I thought, yeah, absolutely. Trust is earned. And the reason for me that's the first rule is you have to realize that you have to build trust with your customers And the only way that you will do that is by doing things. Hmm. The only way that you will build that trust with them is not just by doing things, but the way that you do them. Does that make sense? I like the framing a lot because it's a a simple idea, but I, I agree with you. I think that it's pretty profound. If you think about something as having to be earned as opposed to something that happens naturally, then you 
start realizing that you need a strategy for it, that you need to take deliberative actions, that think about the ways that you earn money. That just doesn't happen without any effort on your part. So it's it's a really useful framing and a use, powerful way of thinking about it. If you're a company, then clearly there is, let's think of a scenario. So you've got a new account manager, yeah? And it's from a big blue chip company. Now, clearly you would have built up a level of trust in that organization. And therefore you you are making the assumption that whoever it is that's then working for them that you can trust in general. But the reality is, is that account manager then needs to build that level of trust with the customer as well in the actions that they take, what they do, what they say, etc. So let's go and talk about rule number two, because the danger is we'll just then start rabbiting on about what how do you earn trust. So one of the ways that you earn trust is rule number two, okay, which is to be authentic. And I think this is really, really, really important because people can see through you, basically. And we've talked in the past about facial expressions and micro expressions. So it's interesting, isn't it? It's a bit like going back to my friend, Peter. How do I know that I can't trust him? See, this is where I was hoping we were going with this example. I want to know how (laughs) Peter has wronged you. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, actually, because I still consider him a friend. Yeah, yeah. The interesting part is... I know that I shouldn't trust him. So, but actually even thinking about that, it's, well, what things could you not trust him in? Okay. And I'm not going to go into it in too much detail <laughs> because he should be lead to an interesting conversation the next time I meet him. But the overall point here is that people can see through you. You know when someone's trying to con you. You know when you get the email coming in and you think, mm, maybe that's a bit of spam email. Maybe there's some type of thing I need to be aware of here. Or maybe that we had somebody knock on the door the other day and uh, asked if we could cut down the palm trees in a place in Florida. And you just thought, nah, not really sure I trust who you are, what you're doing, uh, and so on and so forth. And I guess it's a lot of the stuff that, that we've worked on together, isn't it? Which is some of the what people say, how they say it, the facial expressions and all those things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the danger is that people will be too strategic about authenticity. Like the idea that once you can fake authenticity, then then you got them for anything. The, <laughs> the point is not to act like you're authentic. The point is to actually be authentic and yeah. what you're doing. And that is where this trust comes from. You know, the, going back to, to your example of, of your friend, Peter, I think that the, the fact that you are friends with him and yet don't trust him in certain domains is actually a good parallel to firms that we interact with. There are lots of firms that you are, are willing to buy from, but you only trust them up to a point. You may buy them because they have the best price on something or because it's the most convenient. But when push comes to shove, when it's a really important purchase, when something's on the line, then you're going to lose those customers. So being authentic in what you do is going to lead to these kind of long-term benefits, even if you don't necessarily see any damage in the short term. And I guess if you extended that concept to its natural extension, 
you wouldn't need contracts if you trusted everybody implicitly, would you? No, I mean, it, and there's there's an interesting point though too with contracts. There's so there's a an economic sociology study or series of studies that was done that found that most contracts between businesses exist but are never really enforced. And some of this comes down to trust that there's because people know that they could enforce the contracts if they needed to, we let a lot of stuff slide. And and that's, they call it existing under the shadow of the law. Uh, and the idea is that there's, because I know that there is potentially the punishment that I could exact from you, I'm going to let you you go a little bit. The, the, the contract is in, in fact a form of honesty. It's a form of, of making myself vulnerable to you so that I don't have to be watched over and everything exacted. It's, it's a very interesting way of thinking about trust. Yeah, and I think that that's the other part of it. And this goes on to number three, really. The third rule of building trust in customers and people and friends and everything else is to be transparent. And I guess the link I want to make in the contract part of it, again, is what I've learned from a business perspective is tell people up front the bad news yeah basically yeah so if there is something that you know that they're not going to like and that potentially means that you won't win the sale don't hide it because uh, as soon as you end up having to articulate it there will be an argument about it basically and that's the last thing you want to do and the last thing you want to do is to make your customer feel that they can't trust you mm-hmm. and that you're hiding things. So, you know, being transparent, I think, is really good. Love it. The other part of, if I think about the transparency, again, that comes to me from a cultural perspective as well. So is the organization transparent with its people? And in fact, I could argue, for me, all of these rules actually are human traits. So you could you could delete the word customer and just put your boss, or you could put being a leader or whatever it may be. But having a culture where trust is earned, it's authentic, and people are transparent and stuff like that, I think is, is key. Oh, it's a great point. There are a lot of people who do not trust the organizations they work for. If you want to reap the benefits of having your employees trust you as a manager, then, you know, you need to engage in these same things, be authentic, earn that trust, be transparent and so on. There's two other bits I would throw under this uh, heading, and that is you have to say no to people sometimes. And the danger is, is people don't like saying no, particularly to customers. And sometimes you have to for either their benefit or for your longer-term benefit. But again, that's about being honest and transparent and explaining to them why you can't do something. And I think that's, again, important. And the other thing that I would say about being transparent and therefore building trust is if you make a mistake, admit to it quickly. Don't take six weeks to work out whether you should have apologized or not apologized or whatever it may be. I mean, just think of what happens in governments across the world where they don't say, yeah, we screwed that up. 
they come out with all the excuses about the, why the reasons why it didn't work or whatever else, or they try and spin it in a different way. And people see through that stuff. But you've really got to, in my book, you've got to admit your mistakes and do it quickly. And if you've built up that, Stephen Covey, one of my favorite authors, wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talked about building up an emotional bank account and you make deposits into that emotional bank account. So as you earn trust, you're building up those deposits in that bank account. And then when something goes wrong, and so you you make a mistake, if you admit it, yeah, you may take a couple of points off that emotional bank account. But if you've made lots of deposits and you're a lot in credit, then it's okay. And you'll be okay with those customers or people. Yeah. I mean, the the examples of failures, customer service failures, product failures that turn into benefits in the customer relationship as the problems are fixed. I mean, it's almost a cliche. Those are opportunities for strengthening this relationship, strengthening the experience that your customers have. But it relies on you being transparent. It relies on you being upfront and admitting fault when it's your fault and doing what you can to fix the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. We all know how important employee engagement is in creating a great customer experience. In my new book, Happy Employees Make Happy Customers, I detail out what you should be doing to emotionally engage with your employees, and I share a number of examples of what other organizations are doing. For our podcast listeners, we are pleased to offer a 50% discount on the retail price. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy and use promotional code podcast50. That's podcast50. I hope you enjoy the book. Okay, number four. And again, these seem, I have to say, these seem so simple to say and, and that they are, but oftentimes they're not simple to do. But number four is do what you say you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that did feel more profound when we were talking about it before uh, the podcast than when you just said it now. And yet. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, if you go back to number one, trust is earned. How is it earned? Well, you do what you say you're going to do. It's as simple as that. Over the weekend, I said to a client on Thursday, I'd send over a uh, proposal that the team's been working on. I won't bore you with it, but a couple of the team members had issues. So it was late. But I said to the client, it would be with them by Sunday night so they could look at it first thing Monday morning. So we ended up having to work all over the weekend to get this out to hit that because that's what we told the customer that we would do. You do what you say you're going to do. And particularly at the beginning of a relationship, I think those little signals are really, really important for people. Yeah, no, I'm like, when people show up late to a job interview, there are a million genuinely good reasons why you might be late for something. And, you know, but it sends the signal that, you know, you made this initial commitment that you're going to be there. And then you're breaking that initial commitment. You're not doing what you said you were going to do. It makes it very hard for somebody to see past something like that. And, And the same thing for new clients and so on. This is how you establish that. This is how you earn that trust is by making promises and then delivering on them. That's that's the foundation of trust. So yeah, it's, it's a very simple point. 
And yet it's very, very important and very profound. Another example, I've just been on to Fiverr. I don't know if you you know the website. We're getting some specialized graphics done. So we've been identifying some people and sending it out to them for them to come back with a quote. And on the website, one of these guys, it says, we will respond to you in four hours. Okay. It's 48 hours since I sent the, the proposal off to them and we haven't heard back from them yet. So again, and I literally thought this this morning, I thought, you know what, if they can't even be bothered to respond to this now, and this is before I've given them any of the work, then why would I trust that they're going to deliver the work back in the quality and quantity that I want? Yeah, what's especially interesting about that one is it's not clear to me that they needed to make that promise. Like if they had said, we will get back to you within two working days, then that would have been your expectation. That would have been the promise. Yes, yes. And for an initial contact from somebody that that you've never worked with before, two days doesn't seem terribly unreasonable to me. But the fact that they, they made a promise, now there's a reasonable expectation that they will follow through on that. So. So it's interesting because another person had something similar on their website and I sent it off to them and they came back and said, thanks very much for this, quite a bit of information, we need to read it and we'll get back to you in two days. Now, the good thing is they responded within the time that they originally said yeah. and they've now managed my expectations that yeah. it's sort of in the process, etc. So It's a great example. Yeah, so rule is do what you say you're going to do if you can't do it, then you've got to talk to your client and you've got to you've got to tell them why you can't do it. And again, that's then goes back to rule number three, which is be transparent. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the old bit of advice about over promising and under delivering. And that is exactly this, right? Setting the expectations so that you can meet or exceed them. Absolutely. Rule number five is around be consistent be reliable. We often talk to clients. So when we're working with clients and we're talking to them about defining the experience that they are trying to deliver, okay, we get, they say to us, well, we want to be reliable. And I then say, well, what do you mean by reliable? You know, we want to, we want to do things when we say we're going to do them. And basically what I'm doing is taking them down a funnel to realize that reliability is about trust. Mm -hmm. Consistency is about trust, okay? The reason that people go to McDonald's or Hilton, whoever it may be, any other global brand across the globe, one of the reasons is they know what they're going to get and therefore they feel they can trust it, okay? So if you go into a McDonald's in an underdeveloped country, then you still know that the quality standards that they have are probably going to still be enforced everywhere. And therefore, because they've built that trust in the organization. So consistency, reliability are all about building trust. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's it's a really important point. So you and I have talked about heuristics a lot on the podcast. A heuristic is is the idea that we use decision shortcuts, rules of thumb, easier ways of making decisions. A lot of trust is heuristic based. So 
I'm looking for easy to observe signals that I can trust you for important things later on. And so if you're trying to decide on a doctor to do your heart surgery, you might rely on on the fact, can I trust this person based on the fact that they their office returns your phone calls promptly and you know they actually pay attention to you and look you in the eye when you're asking them questions and talking to them about stuff. None of these things tells you how much trust you should put in the skill of the surgeon, but they're the only things we've got, right? And so when you're consistent, when you're reliable, when you do what you're going to say, when you're transparent... None of that says that you are going to, you know, fix the server in the middle of the night when it goes down, which is really the key important business service that you're looking for. But it's the only thing that you've got to use to try to make that determination of whether the person is trustworthy. So don't discount the importance of these small, maybe objectively irrelevant things because they're all your customer has. Focus on the small things that build up trust because that's how your customers are going to judge your trustworthiness. The way I always describe this is it's a bit like when you buy a new pair of shoes and, you know, you buy a new pair of shoes, you put them on, you wear them for the day. And at some point during the day, you start to go, well, these shoes are really hurting me. You know, they're rubbing the back of my heel. Now, the reality of what's happened is those shoes have been rubbing the back of your heel over that period of time, yeah? And what's happened is, effectively, that that is in your subconscious, okay? So, you, and at some point, your brain has gone, this is hurting enough now to bring it into Colin's level of consciousness so he does something about it. The point I'm trying to make is that the same applies with trust. So there are little things, little signs that we give people all the time about whether they can trust us. Did they return the phone call? Did they send us the email when they said they would? I don't want to overblow these things. Then you know, they're not major, but they add up to a bigger picture. And they add up to going, when somebody says, do you trust Colin? They go, yeah. Now, the fact that they've made that choice is based upon all of the interactions and all the things that we've done and everything else that makes you come up with that choice. So I guess the point I'm making is, it is, just to reinforce your point, it is the little things that add up to the bigger things that become important. Okay, so let me recap on these these five for people. Remember, trust is earned, okay? So people won't trust you just because you've turned up and you, you know that you're a good person and that they can trust you. They don't know that they can do that, so you have to prove it. You need to be authentic. You need to be transparent. You need to do what you say you're going to do. And just remember, consistency, reliability, those types of things are all about trust. So the more consistent you can be, the more reliable you can be, it's all about building that level of trust with people. That's great. Okay. We hope that's been of use to everybody. If we can ask you to do us one favor, we would be eternally grateful. And that is 
just to tell somebody about the podcast. I don't know about eternally grateful, Colin. My my gratefulness <laughs> would extend probably no further than like say five hundred years. Okay, five hundred. Yeah, we'll work on five hundred. Yeah, I mean, we we want to be transparent about this. We want you to trust <laughs> us. We will be yeah, grateful for at way. least five hundred years, maybe. <laughs> But if you can uh, let somebody know, then that will be really good. Ryan and I were actually talking about the podcast downloads just before we started this podcast, and, and they've grown tremendously, and we've been really pleased. We'd like to beat what we did last year in terms of an increase. I think last year we increased it by something like 20%. We're running at about 19% at the moment increase. Please tell somebody about the podcast, get them to listen. Thank you very much for being a loyal listener. It's been very good of you. We are very grateful that we get to talk to you each week. Also, reach out if there's any topics that you'd like us to cover. We want this to be useful to people. Colin and I clearly have a good time doing these, but you know, if we could do something that's occasionally useful and helpful for other people, that that's great too. No, we are very grateful, and, and thanks for your patronage for listening. Can I just say that transparency only goes so far? <laughs> That's rule number six. (laughs) Rule number six. Okay, everyone. Thanks very much. Talk to you next week. Cheers. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.